Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. How y'all doing? <laughs> well, this morning we got an excited one. It's a very popular Bible truth. But I hope, I really hope you open your ears today and to receive uh, this message and to recognize that there are giants in the land. How many know what I mean? There's giants in the land. And so I want to start off here. I have my David and Goliath um, piece here. This was made by my brother, a very gifted and talented young man. And Jerry, if you're watching, I said young man. You give me a little credit for that one. Um, He is my older brother. Much, 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 much older. I hope he give you credit. I've just lost my credit. (laughs) Anyhow, um, he gave me this. And this is a scene of David and Goliath. And in a little bit, I will tell you a little bit about these rocks and this sling that comes from Israel. I want to talk to you about walking with God, taking down the giant. Taken down the giant. We all have problems in our life. We all have situations. We all have circumstances that are there. We carry them. We leave them in our life and we pretend they're not there. But they are a giant to us. And they are affecting the way we think. They are affecting the way we live. They are affecting your life. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in our life that we can bring in that can afflict us, can hurt us, that can slow our process of growth down. You know, I don't know about you, but when it comes to problems in relationships, I can't tell you a thing that can bring you down more than problems in relationships, whether it be with your son and daughter, uh, with your spouse, uh, with your brother or sister, or whatever relationship that's closest to you. Those are the ones that can hurts you, and stun you from being who you can possibly be that God has created you. And so if you don't pay attention to it, it will hurt you more than anything else. I want you to understand worry and loneliness and negative thinking and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and fear and financial problems can all be giants, can all be circumstances and situations that we have to battle. How many bear witness with me? But I got some good news. Your God's bigger than the giant. And I want you to understand something that's really, really good is that is when we look at the word giant, we understand that something that's giant is something of a great size. It's huge. It's colossal. It's massive. It's enormous. It's gigantic. It's mammoth. It's big. And sometimes we look so small, we we almost say like we're like grasshoppers. And the people in Atlanta are so huge. I want you to understand something today that we know this story. Don't. How many people here do not know the story of David Goliath? You don't know it. Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Most of us know the story of David, David and Goliath. But I will tell you this. If I said to you, um, let's look at one. Jack and the... Look at that. How about this? The three little. Mm. And David and. 
These things are stories that we share with our kids. I remember uh, sharing the story with my kids when they were small. It's amazing how big they are today. And, and, uh, but I remember they were, I was always Goliath. You know, and they would do the sling and, and hit me and I would fall over and stuff. How many parents have done that? Raise your hand. Come on. How many parents have done that? Uh-huh. Well, I've done that. I hit the ground a whole bunch of times. I remember my little grandson, Judah. He, would, he was into David and Goliath and boy, he was hitting his swing and he had the armor. And he had all this stuff there and he was knocking down the giants. It's something kind of beautiful. Every giant we face will tell you about you. Every giant you face will challenge your character. It actually reveals who you are and what type of faith and what type of man or woman you are. It's important for all of us to understand that anybody who ever calls a pastor during church, I tell you, and then the pastor don't put a thing on silent. I don't know what you do. We might as well go home. I want to show you a couple things this morning that hopefully will really challenge you. I know it challenged me. You know, giants in our life will reveal to others our strength of character. When they see you facing a giant, when they see you facing an opposition against you that's tough, and how you handle it, do you fold up? Do you complain? Do you murmur? Do you blame other people because of it? I don't know about you, but you and I need to understand that God wants to do something in you and through you. Amen? So that being said, I want you to think about a few things. People who grow in strength and character have gone through some giants. You know, before David got to the giant of Goliath, he had little giants. And we'll talk about those things. He had little problems. And every problem you go through is to make you better. Look to someone and say, your problems right now are going to make you better and stronger for your problems in your future. Tell them. Tell them. Come on. Tell them the problems you're going through will make you stronger for your future. When we go through problems, we, we look at the problem and say, man. This is difficult. But those problems are actually doing more than you understand. Giants are often God's tools to shape us and make us. Let's take for a couple examples. Let's look at the life of Moses. After 40 years being in the wilderness, God tells Moses to go back to the place he ran from. You want to talk about a giant? And then tell the most powerful man in the world, let my people go. That's a giant. How about Joseph? After being rejected and sold by his brothers, being a slave in Egypt, being mistreated, those were giants he had to face before he become the second in command in the most powerful nation of the world. How about the life of Peter? A lack of faith while walking on the water, being rebuked by Jesus because he couldn't understand what Jesus was really doing. Denying the Lord three times. These were giants that Peter faced. But look at the rest of the story of what God did with that man. It's not how you start. It's really how you finish. So can I encourage you to run well and And finish well, even though you feel like, well, it's hard. 
And I know, facing the giants, facing the tough times, facing times that are hard, it's not easy. How many be a witness with that? Raise your hand. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, we're among my people. So I want to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and here the Philistines are gathering for war. And Saul and the Israelites are assembled in the camp in the valley of Elah, and they drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. And so the Philistines were on one side, and the Israel was on another side, and there was a valley in between. And there steps up this guy, a champion from the Philistines named Goliath. And he comes over, and now you have to understand, this man was not a normal man. He was quite large and in charge. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale of armor that weighed 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds. So that was his armor, 125 pounds. I like to know how many people here just like to carry 125 pounds out to the parking lot. He wore this as a suit to protect him. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a a bronze javelin and was slung on his back. His spear shaft, just the spear shaft, was like a weaver's rod. It was like twisted. But on the end of it was the point. And just the point weighed 15 to 20 pounds. I'm telling you, this man carried a lot of weight into the battle. I want you to understand something, that there's an argument in the world, I guess you could say, of how big Goliath really was. I'm not going to go into that. I will tell you this. I believe he is what they say, nine feet tall and as big as a house. A little bit like this comparison. Look at the size of David and look at the size of this brute of a man that a whole army... For 40 days, do nothing because of fear. you got to get that in mind. What would cause a whole army to fear a man such as that? So let's look at verse 18 and, uh, of uh, chapter 18, um, chapter 17, excuse me. And let's look at verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I a Philistine, and you are not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he is able to fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day, catch this, this is an important part. This day, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. They were scared out of their wits. I want you and I to recognize that you have this going on. I want to kind of move down to verse 16. It says this. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward. Every morning and evening, they took and took a stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephod of roasted grain of those ten loaves of bread for your brothers and and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are. Bring back some assurance from them. Here's a father who's just worried about what's going on. 
They are with Samuel and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistine. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left the things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. That must have been a real nice moment then. Go southward from here. Verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, steps out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Can someone just say, heard it? Yeah, this is important. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and... Uh, now, he, as long as she's pretty. I mean, I know what I mean. You've got to be pretty. All right. Marriage and will exempt his father's family from paying taxes in Israel. How many would love that right now? Come on. Yeah, raise your hand. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Watch this now. This is important. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Did you catch the spirit of the man? They repeated to him what had been saying and told him. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28. Then Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the man answered him as before. Just love the spirit of the man. What David said was overheard and the report to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go down and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, <laughs> I don't know if he said that or not, but it feels real good. I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Could you imagine that? Taking a big lion grab. It's pretty powerful right here. <laughs> Boy, I'm ready to preach. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear 
will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Can someone say faith? Mm. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic and put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, those five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog? Hey, what do you think about that one, huh? <laughs> Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And the Philistines cursed David by his God. Come here, he said. I'll give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom I have that you have defiled this day. The Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the caucus of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, For the battle of the Lord... For the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Ooh. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his scabbard. That's his sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head. That's how he got a head in life. I got a head in life. With the sword... When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistine to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along to Sharim Road to Gath and Ekron. Wow! What a story! What a Bible truth! And why did it take place? Why did it happen? Because someone, someone like a young boy who had faith, who was walking with God, who knew, wait a minute, God, this can't happen. A whole army was doing nothing. And yet God was raising up this king. Last week, we talked about the fall and rise of a king. The week before that was the anointing. And we see God working a plan. God bringing David into the kingdom to play the harp. So Saul knew of David because 
he was playing harp. He saw how as he played, God was with him and his evil spirit left. And no one was stepping forward and, he, and God was setting up like, wow, you know what? God is with this young man. Maybe he could possibly do it because the king allowed a young man, a young boy, 16, 17, 18, a young man to go into a battle that no one else wanted to go. That being said, let's ask ourselves a question. What did David learn before that happened? I mean, think about it. There was a question that someone asked to a particular city that a lot of good leaders came from. And they asked a person, it was happened to be the mayor, and say, Mayor, do you know how many leaders came from this city? And the person says, no, but I can tell you how many babies came from this city. Because leaders are leaders because of what they go through the process and how they handle the process. Leaders are not just born, they are developed. And every time we grow as an individual, we will learn to yield to some things or fall to some things. But you, as an individual, a man or woman of God, it's up to you what happens in your life. God has something great for your life. Amen? Come on, give me an amen like you really mean it. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, that was pretty good. Let's look at eight things, eight things about David, what he had to learn before he could take down the giant. Let's look at number one. Number one, David's faith didn't let fear control his life and his choices. This is the number one thing that happens in our life. We get fearful of something or someone, circumstances, future, whatever it may be. Fear causes nothing to happen. And David was an individual who learned about faith in the wilderness with the sheep and didn't allow fear to reign in his life. You've heard this saying from me many times, you've got to put fear in the rear and faith in place. It's important for us. Verse 24 says, when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. A whole army is running from one man. I want you to understand this. What would cause a whole army that would cause such fear because of one man? David didn't see Goliath as the fearful giant. He saw it from a different perspective. You see, when fear is greater than your faith, then your giant will rule in your life. You'll run from that thing that you're afraid of. You'll run. You won't be next to it. You'll try to avoid it. And whenever you avoid things, you hurt yourself even more. I want you to get this. I want you to grow. I want you to become. But I will not. I am not responsible for your choices. Your choices are yours. And when you do not deal with your giant, your giant will rule your life. It rule your mind, it rule your actions, and you will lose out. Not because of God, because of fear ruling our life. You will blame others because of what happens. You will not take responsibilities of your own actions. You will blame, well, this is because my life, because of this person, because of this, because of this. You will blame something. But fear will rule 
because you will run blame or avoid the very problem, the very affliction, the very giant that's in your life. But David learned, David learned never to allow fear, but to allow faith to conquer things. Let me number two that he learned. This is very important. David knew the benefits that came with killing the giant. A lot of times we don't realize, but you know the benefits that would come to your life if you were to truly, I mean truly, deal with some of these giants? Some of you are worried, always worrying about this. You're more worried about what's going to happen tomorrow than what's going to happen today. The Bible tells us, take, take heed of today. Don't worry about tomorrow. You, don't, you or I are not promised for tomorrow. There's nothing wrong in plan for tomorrow, planning for tomorrow. Absolutely. But you don't park there. Hello. If you're so far ahead, you're not paying attention to the present. What makes your future is what you do in your present. And David understood there was benefits if he dealt with this giant. Whenever you defeat the giants in your life, there are going to be benefits. There's going to be blessings. You're going to see that some fear is not going to control you. You're going to really know, wait a minute, is my God truly who he said? Yes or no? That's, all, that's the only two answers you got. He is or he isn't. It's up to you. It's your decision. Look what it says here in verse 25 and 26. The king, and he's, he's inquiring, hey, what will the king do for the man who kills this Disgrace to Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family, uh, his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I mean, one man is holding up a whole army. What a disgrace. What type of army is Israel when they're allowing one man to thousands of people and they're all doing nothing? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David is like saying, no way, this shouldn't happen. He's like, what's the benefit in here? Because there's always a benefit when you get the giant out of the way. So he learns of all the the benefits. Let me write this down. Lessons to learn from this point. How we approach the problem will determine our results. How you approach the problem will determine your results. David saw the benefits, then the problem. You have to understand. David's thinking and focusing on, hey, 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 what's going to come to me if I defeat this guy who's disgraced in Israel? What's the benefit? He's not looking at Goliath as the problem. He wants to know the benefits. However, the people of Israel, the army of Israel, that's not it. They're looking at the problem and not the benefits. Every man there, every soldier knew the benefits. They were talking about the benefits. But they were focusing on the problem. And when you focus on the problem, and that's all you do is talk about the problem, and talk about the problem, and talk about the problem, talk about, stop talking about the problem, and stop focusing on the benefits to conquering that problem. That's what David did. That's what makes a difference in a David. Mm. That makes my liver quiver. The army of Israel saw how big Goliath was, while David saw how big God was. You know, there's two philosophies here. One is like, oh my, Goliath is so big. 
What am I to do? The other one is like, oh, wow, he's so big, I can't miss. Your perspective to your problem will determine what happens in your life. There are some people, and trust me, there are some people that will never change in life. I've been in the ministry for a long enough time, long enough time. All you will do is stay at the counter of complaint. All you will do is blame other people. But you won't take responsibility of what you're supposed to do so you can become what God has asked you to be. And that says, if you're going to be like David and a man or woman after God's own heart, you have to learn that God wants you to get past these giants so you can get the blessings and the benefits that these giants are holding you back. We have to stop and reflect to see the benefits. Now, I want you to get this. This is really important. You have to understand what giant do you have in your life that's hurting you? What giant in your life that's causing you to think on these things over and over and over again? You're you're almost thinking about what isn't happening or what God can't do or what the problem is, but not thinking about who God is. You have to change the way you think in order to get to a different place in your destination. Saints, listen to me. Our thinking is how we think is everything. And when we put the word of God in place, it will change everything how you approach a problem. I understand big problems. I live them. But I also know my God is bigger. Therefore, 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 I can march forward. There's a lot of abilities I don't have, but I know my God can equip me and help me or send people my way and they will get done. But to just say, oh, well, can't do this and oh, can't do that. Can't should not be in your equation. Can't should not be in your life. If God is as big as you say he is, then can you trust him? David did. Number three. David didn't allow his emotions or, her, or his critics to determine what he wanted to do or what he would do. This is big. I have seen more people give up the ship just because storms came. I have seen more people give up the ship because harsh, hardship came. I have seen more people give up the ship because they've been hurt. They've been seriously hurt. And I am not belittling the hurt. I get that part. But I also know that from hurt comes healing, and from healing comes great strength. And I can tell you right now, David didn't allow his emotions or his critics to dictate who he was going to be. I I just want to say a couple things here. David, in his life, and you're going to see this, had to deal with a lot of criticism. And people often give up the whole ship because... Of the criticism, and criticism often comes from the closest people to you. Criticism, negative criticism, usually comes from people that you're close to. Those are the ones that can actually scar the heart and can actually pull a person down. But can I just encourage all of you? My dad used to say this, and you know, things that your parents say, you will end up saying, I feel sorry for my kids. But my dad used to say, he, um, he who lives in glass houses should never throw stones. How many have ever heard that saying before? Yeah. And it's really a true, it's like a true proverb. Don't know where it came from. Um, but it's a true saying because, see, if you live in a glass house, you probably shouldn't be throwing stones because your house is glass. Ephesians 429 says, Do not let unwholesome words come out of your mouth, only which is good and edifying for the hearer. 
That means if your words in which you speak are not lifted. Now, you're going to challenge each other that, that's from the heart of challenge. That's a good thing because iron sharp is iron. But if your words are to hurt or your words are to criticize without giving an answer, or you're, or you're just looking for mistakes and you don't look for something good, even Jesus commended them before he condemned them. You're doing great over here, but this is where you need some help. That's the best communication that you can ever give somebody. But if you can't say something nice, write this down in capital letters. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Just pray. <laughs> because Ephesians 4.29 is really, really, really important. But David, David had a lot of emotions and a lot of critics. Let's look at this one here in verse 28 29. And you remember Eliab, the, per, the brother that God said, no, I rejected him. He may look like a king. Let's see him for who he is. Verse 28. When Eliab, David's, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know you're conceited. How, I know how you're conceited you are and how you wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch a battle. I love David's response. You can tell David has been here before with his brother. Now, what have I done? Could you imagine, David? You know, now what I've done. Gee whiz, I just came here. I'm just asking a couple questions. And if you have some siblings, I think you can relate to this. <laughs> Can't I even speak? Come on, gee whiz. You see, I want you to look at this for a minute. The question, David's motives, some brothers... Um, this brother here, God said no to, and we get to see why a little bit. Because did you know how, what he said? He said, I know your heart. I know your wicked heart. This is the same guy that God, this is the same guy, David, when David, God says, here's a man after my own heart. I'm going to look for a man after my own heart that will do what I ask him to do. And yet his Eliab calling him wicked and calling him all these names, his conceited heart. It's amazing how... When people are hearty or angry, how mean we can be. And then he says to him, you just came down to see a battle. Now, me, if it was me, I would have said to my brother, oh, yes, and what a battle it is. 40 days, and you guys are too scared to do anything. I mean, you know, what battle? There's no battle. Hello, you've been fighting somebody I don't know about? David's response is so precious, but let's look at Eliab for a second. Why is Eliab meeting David so harshly? His anger, his jealousy is because he was passed over by the prophet Samuel. Here comes his little brother. Someone say little brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here comes his little brother coming to the scene saying, hey, what's going to happen to the guy who kills him? Who's, why ain't somebody doing something? He shouldn't be saying that. He shouldn't defy, you know, what, what's going to happen to the guy? And then he's like, oh, my little brother's going to step up. And he was one that wasn't stepping up. Did you see how God sees the heart? This is beautiful. David was chosen the next, to be the next king of Israel. And I will tell you this, Eliab was jealous. Eliab was bitter. And I'll tell you what, he was insecure. And when you have people insecure, People, they will always do something and say things that bring other people down because of their own insecurities. 
When people are always saying things negatively about other people, it's mainly a lot of their own insecurities just trying to pull someone down. And that's exactly what Eliab's trying to do to his brother. Hurting people always hurt people. And so I want you to know something. So here's his brother. You know, I know who you are. You conceited heart. And then he gets mad at his brother, and he goes off, and he asks someone else. But here's another moment in time that we see from David's criticism. came from King Saul. King Saul, verse 33. Look what it says. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine or fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man since his, since his youth. Here's the king saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. How many of you, come on now, how many of you, someone came up to you one day and said, you can't do that. Nope, can't do it. No way, that's not going to work. That has been the story of my life. It really has. I've had more people tell me what can't be done. How many, how many would you raise your hand and someone's come, you had a dream or you had something to do and they say you can't do it? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did anybody ever tell you you couldn't get your license for nursing? Right? How about what you just graduated? What is it? Not Nurse practitioner. Yes. That's a lot of education. But you know what the reality is? David didn't listen to what Saul said. He, he kind of fought back with it. He actually let him know. He let him know exactly who he was. Critics will always point out how imperfect, imperfect, blah, 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 blah. imperfect we are. Critics will always try to find your faults, never find your strength. They're always trying to look at the downside. They won't look at the upside. That's what critics do. Critics are always looking at the negative. They don't look at the positive. All they do is find the faults. They're like an English teacher. How many, how many, how many love English? That has never been my gift. <laughs> you probably could tell in my PowerPoints. But <laughs> all you English majors can say, oh, that's wrong. <laughs> hey, as long as you get the point. Hey, but I do want to get better there. So the reality is both Eliab and Saul were people that criticized David. But David never listened to the criticism. He stood to the task. Look at four. The fourth lesson that we can learn that David learned. David learned how to take down smaller giants first in his life. This is big. Look at verse 34. David said to Saul, this is his response after him saying, you can't do that. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. And I rescued the sheep from its mouth. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. This is the key. This is the difference between the heart of Saul and the heart of David. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Wow. What do you, what do you believe in God? To get you through. What do you believe in God to get you through? What giant, what has he done in your past that he has brought you through? And what giant are you facing today? Think about it. Because you may be facing a giant right now. And it may be the biggest one you've ever faced. And, but you've got to remember all the other giants that you face in the back. Because they make you stronger. 
look at someone and tell them, hey, that, your past makes you stronger. If you give your past to the Lord, the Lord will use that in a very powerful way. This is what I want you to understand. It's those smaller things, those lions and bears, the things that he took care of, he went after. He went into the lion's den, went into the bear den. He said, I'm taking that from you. And I love when he said they grabbed it by the hair. That's close contact right there. How many of you want to fight a lion? Hmm? If a lion came in, what would happen to this congregation? You would find the nearest door. Or a bear. Let me tell you something. We need to understand. We need to really understand what it means to trust God in tough situations. Because when it gets tough, you know what we do sometimes? We go, woe is me. And how come God me? How come God? Why me? Why me? The problem is, you ever think that maybe God's doing something in your life right now to strengthen you? To help you become the man or woman that he wants you to become? This is really important for all of us to understand. Look at number five. What else did David learn in the process before he took down the giant? David knew who he was and who he was trusted in and wasn't going to be something he wasn't. Now, this is, this is something really important for all of us. Verse 38, and when Saul dressed him in his own tunic and put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet and on the head, fastened it on with a sword over his tunic, and try, he, David tried walking around, but because it, he wasn't used to it, he said, I can't go in these because I'm not used to them, and he took it off. I, I want you to understand, it was an honor for what Saul did. To ever put the armor or the tunic of a king on another individual, that was of the highest honor. That King Saul himself took his own armor to put it on someone. That was like saying something special. However, what did David do? No, I can't do this. This does not work for me. I am not used to this. David knew who he was and knew how he had to take down the giant. And it wasn't through this armor. He knew who his spiritual armor was. Amen? You get that? Sometimes in the physical, we try to do things. We're always worrying about the physical, but we do not be concerned about the spiritual. And that's, I think that's a problem with us because we're always focused on the physical. Always the physical. Always the physical. And we never think about the spiritual. In crisis, in crisis, people often will try to tell you what you should or should not do. You, can, you cannot be... You cannot defeat spiritual giants with fleshly weapons. And this is really important. That's why I really do like the aspect is that David knew he was outmatched, but David was not outpowered. And whatever you're facing today, you may be that, that mountain or that giant may be bigger than you, but you are not outpowered by the, by the name of Jesus Christ. You are you are. You've got God on your side. You are not outpowered by these giants or these circumstances or situations. If, if, if you learn to go to God, like David went to God. It's important for us. David identified his strength and connected it to the relationship he had with God. You see, this is what's really important. When you find yourself in a battle, it's sort of like this. Let me, everybody will relate to this. You want to prevent your body from getting the flu. 
you want to get your body from being sick, here's, here's an enlightenment. Get a strong immune system. Work on a strong immune system would be a really good. We don't hear anybody telling you about keep a nice, strong immune system. That is your number one offense to your human body. Take care of this living tabernacle. Take care of this body that God has given you. And you'll be surprised how health will be your, on your side because you take care of it. Do not take care of this vessel and you will hurt and cause problems. I, we have to do the right things in order for the right things to take place. The same thing in the spiritual realm is the same in the physical realm. Let's move on to six. David learned that fleshly weapons were no strength compared to the strength and power of the Lord. No matter what giants comes into your life, God is bigger. Look at this, verse 45. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David didn't go into the battle on his own ability. David didn't go like, I'm going to do this. You know what? I took down the, the lion. I took down the bear. <laughs> you know what? No problem. I can do it. No, David went in to the battle with the Lord's strength. You know, if you take God into your problems, not to say, God, get me out, get me out. Oh, God, get me out. When God gets you out, you forget about God. You do your own thing. That, that's not relationship. I've seen that all my life in ministry. I've seen people in problems, they have these deep problems, you know, and all of a sudden God does some things. I have seen God bring people out of immense problems. And as soon as they're out of the problem, they forget about God. They forget all about God. It's like now it's no problem. But when they're in the problem, boy, oh boy, you should see. They're in church every day. They're in church every, every group, small group, everything. They're right there. Then God works it out and then all of a sudden you don't even see them anymore. It's amazing how these foxhole prayers work sometimes i want you to know david had a relationship and he went into that battle with the authority do you know you can go into your battle with the authority of jesus christ i want you to understand that ephesians says this look at this powerful ephesians chapter six finally be strong in the lord and the mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes you know the devil has schemes out there for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against powers of his dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There is a battle. Someone say there's a battle. Number seven. David knows. David knows. David knows and is learning that his challenges have a higher purpose. This is really powerful for all of us to know that God has a greater purpose in verse 46, 47, listen to what David understood in a deeper way. Today, this is what he says to Goliath. Today, I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Did you get that? David's not elevating himself. No, this is all God thing. And when we understand it's a God thing in your life and you make it a God thing, God's going to show up and show off. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into his hands. Wow. David knew God was concerned for Israel. God's concerned for you. David knew that God was going to show up, 
and God wants to show up for you. The problem is we often think God's more busy doing something for somebody else than he is for you, and that's, that's not your God. God is on your side. God, want, God wants you to know he loves you. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel. David understands a greater purpose. There's a greater purpose happening in your life right now. But do you know it? Do you know that God wants you? Not what you can do for him. God just wants you. Everybody wants to do something, do something, do something. And they always want to work on doing than being. First, be something. And God will work through you to do something. God's power is being revealed in small vessels. How many small vessels here today? Huh? Huh? How many small vessels? God just wants a small vessel. Isn't it amazing how God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? I love that. I love that scripture, and I love that about God. All will know that victory isn't by sword or spear, but it is by the power of the living God. We must all face challenges in life. Every one of us is going to face challenges. There are no spiritual growth without facing the challenge. If you want to grow and see something happen in your life, you've got to face it. You've got to embrace it and face it. You have to take it on. You have to let God shape you. You have to let God help you. You have to really make God your main avenue. Not this avenue. Not the, God has to be your source. Someone should have said amen because I will. Faith is what we live in when it already has been tested. The reason why David could go into battle is because his faith had been tested. He has seen God's hand move. He has seen God do this and do that and do all kind of things. And so he was so confident that the same one that prevented the lion's paw and the bear's paw is going to protect me against the Goliath. It's powerful. He knew his God. That's a problem sometimes is we, we as God's people don't really know our God. We, we have the idea of his power do we really know him? And when we know him, we live differently. And I'll tell you what, those who really know God, other people just call you crazy. They'll call you crazy. Because and sometimes we who know God, we do crazy things. And so you can call me crazy anytime you like, but it's okay. Every mature believer has gone through difficult seasons or dealt with unimaginable obstacles in life. But because they've gone through those obstacles, they've also, if they allow God to teach them, they become stronger and they change. With man, it is impossible, but with God, with God, with God, all things are possible. Can you give some praise in the house of the Lord? Just take a moment of just praise him. Just praise him. Just give him praise and glory because he's worthy. Hallelujah. Number eight, number eight, David's faith, obedience, and trust in the Lord made a difference in the lives of all Israel. I love this point of all things. Because when you face and defeat the giant in your life, the one that's afflicting you and causing harm and hurt to you, it will help the ones around you. You want to be a blessing to the ones around you? Conquer the, the giants in your life. Because when you have a giant in your life, you're affecting everybody in your surrounding. Because your giant that's afflicting your way you're thinking, the way you're living, your fear, whatever it is, it's affecting those around you. And I want you to understand something, that when you do your part, God's going to do a greater part, and there's going to be a blessing that's not just for you, but all around you. But if you don't face the giants, well, those around you also are going to be having it a little tougher because of the things you're going through. 
David, in verse 48, it says, As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line. Someone just say, run quickly. See, David ran towards the giant. He was ready to face it and embrace it and knock that sucker down. That's what he did. He was ready to be all in. He ran to the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, and it sunk deep into his forehead and fell down, face down on the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine. David was willing, this is huge, willing to face, to defeat the giant. And because he did, there was a victory brought to all Israel. The disgrace of one man holding up a whole army, this one little guy, the one that said, you can't do it, come on you. The brother's getting mad, the king says you can't do it. And yet God's saying, I just love when the odds are against my people so I can show my power. What did he do? How about Paul the Apostle? Take this thorn from me, Lord. And God says, oh, no, Paul, Paul, when you're weak, that's when I can be strong in your life. That's when I can manifest something good in your life. Because you know what, Paul? You're going to be turning towards me and people are going to realize that I'm the one doing the work through you, these great works. Let me add this last two verses, 51 and 52. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistine. Wait a minute, did you hear that? Hey, where's the fear? Did anybody know where the fear went for the army of Israel? What happened? All of a sudden, it's all just, and they're shouting. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Something incredible took place. You know what took place? David, an almighty God, showed up and showed off. And all of a sudden, the people of Israel are like, Woo! We got victory! Oh, God did it! Yay! Even though we were sitting down doing nothing, can't believe them. Let me give you five, in closing, five biblical truths to overcome the obstacles that we face. Write these down. These may help you in your life and journey. Five biblical truths to overcome the obstacles we face. First, the biblical truth is put aside all sinful behaviors. Your sin affects your life. Let me say it again. Your sin affects your life. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Your sin affects your relationship with God. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12.1, let us throw off everything that hinges the sin that so easily entangles let us run with a perseverance, the race mocked out for us. Someone say, I'm running. I'm running. Amen. Number two, biblical truth. Trust in God for strength and wisdom to deal with the obstacles. When you obstacles come your way, sometimes they're too big for you. And you need to bring God into the equation. Isaiah 12, 2 says, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Someone say, not be afraid. Mm. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. When you put your trust in God and let him in, he will be your salvation. He will be your deliverer. He will help you. There's a promise. There's a promise. You can count on it. Take it to the bank. Bring the Lord into the situation. This Proverbs chapter 3, 4 and 5 says. Number three. Third biblical truth. Deal with the strongholds in your mind. 
Our strongholds, most of our strongholds, is it between the two ears. I don't care how wide your head is, it's still in between your two ears. It's in the mind. And what the mind says, you follow. And you have to be careful. But what, was, what does the word of God say? 2 Corinthians 10 tells us this, verse 4. For the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You need to, when you're in a battle of thought, you're in a battle situation, take the word of God, take the word of God, and let God help you. You've got to get the word of God in our hearts. The Bible says, so we may not sin against the Lord, but God will help you in these things. Number four, biblical truth, know that nothing is too hard for God. Someone say amen. amen. I know we feel that sometimes. I know that sometimes it feels like, well, God, I, I just can't. And we say that. Don't put can't. Maybe there's a duration of time. Maybe you have to go through some stuff. But let God lead you. Bring God into the equation. Communicate with God. Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? We had that big giant poster for many, many, many years. Hanging up to remind you that he's a God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for God? No. Then why do we live that way? I often say to myself, you know, and I go through the same stuff myself, and I keep on reminding myself to believe God for great things because he's a great God. And great things can happen just by walking on the street, sharing Jesus Christ with someone, and they become a born-again Christian, and they give their heart and life to Jesus. That's a great thing. Beautiful thing. Last. The last one. Biblical truth to overcome obstacles that we face in our life. Recognize that God uses obstacles for his purpose. Mm. Mm. Genesis 50 says, You intended to harm me. This is Joseph. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done. The saving of many lives. Joseph went through a lot of heartaches, a lot of obstacles, a lot of giants. And yet at the end, he understood that everything he went through, God was doing something bigger. God had a bigger purpose, a bigger plan. And so when you go through a hardship, stop saying, why me? Well, first, ask yourself the question, did you have a part in that? You know, if, your health have health, if you have health issues and, you know, you're doing this, you know, I'm a, I'm a prime candidate. My shoulders were, my shoulders were, has given, was giving me problems sometimes, and I kept on doing stupid things to re-hurt my shoulder. I kept on hurting it, hurting it, and it's like it was my own stupidity. Yesterday, I, yesterday we did two and a half tons of rock. And today, because I wasn't so stupid all the other times, I gave it time to rest and heal, that I'm just normally, I'm today, I'm just sore like everybody else would be after two and a half tons of rock. What I'm trying to say is sometimes we ourselves are not always the smartest person. Can everybody raise your hand? Hmm? Yeah, amen. We're all guilty of that, and I'm very guilty of that. But I recognize that if I'm going to be dumb, I'm going to pay a price. Do I want to pay a price? No. Then who has to change? My habits. God needs to give me wisdom. And I'm really starting to listen to it because I, I want strong shoulders and a strong body. So I've started working out again and get myself back in shape. I don't know what shape I'm in, but I'm as good as, 
You know, they say, hey, listen, I just want to encourage everybody. A friend of mine, one day I said, are you in shape? He says, yeah, I'm round. That's a shape. <laughs> I thought that was great. I want you and I to understand that there's going to be giants in our life. But I want you to understand that God wants to help us. We don't have to do this alone. Amen? And that we need to think, okay, what area in my life that there's a giant there, something hindering me, something affecting me, what area, what do I need to do? God, what do I need to do to do this? Lord, I have fear, and fear's just been bothering me. Lord, I, I'm insecure. Lord, what do I need to do insecure? Lord, I, I recognize, Lord, that I have a little bitterness for people who mistreated me. Lord, I, I have these giants, Lord, like of unforgiveness because people have done things in my heart, in my life, and Lord, I don't want to let it go. Uh, God, uh, uh, I don't want to do this, Lord, that you're telling me to do because, Lord, I'm not capable, Lord, and I, I'm going to embarrass myself. Whatever excuse it is. Because you all have excuses. And you know me. I'm going to tell you again. An excuse is the truth stuffed with a lie. I don't know about you, but the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that through the wages of sin is death, but, God, but through the life of Jesus Christ, he's given abundant life. I tell you what, saints. God has promised to be there for us. And if God was, did it for David, will he not do it for you? If God did it for David, will he not do it for you? Those watching the line, if God did it for David, won't he do it for you as well? Is he not the same God? Does he not want to do the same thing? We need to arise and change the way we think. Allow the word of God to be God's word in our life. And then, I'm telling you what, if you start spending time with God on a daily basis, God's going to do a work in you. If you're online, you never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here, never accepted Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is well, more like, yeah, I love him. But do you really follow him? Are you all in? Because Jesus wants you to just ask from your heart to his heart, God, I've made some sins. I've sinned. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. You died on the cross for me. That's why it's not about religion. Religion will never save anybody. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Has your sins forgiven? Knowing you've made a mess of your life. You've done it what you want to do, when you want to do it. Then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, God. Uh, eternity is a big deal and I want to live with you in eternity and the only way you're going to live with God with eternity is accepting him as savior Jesus said Jesus said in John 14 6 I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me so right there just say father forgive me of my sins come into my heart right now forgive me I surrender my life just say it I surrender my life to you I am going to be all in. No more half in. I'm going to be all in, God, because you are all in for me. I declare this day, I commit my heart to you to follow you all the days of my life so that I desire to be a heart that's after your heart, God. That is my desire. That is my heart prayer to you today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone give praise in the house of the Lord. Amen. How many of you here today would say that there's a, there is a giant in your life? Stand to your feet right where you are. This giant that continually bombards you is, a, is a, an aspect where God can strengthen you. To help you. To show up. 
but you've got to be careful that you don't go negative. You do not go, oh God, why me? And look at this and look at that. You have to realize that God uses everything. Nothing is not used. God uses everything that's in your heart and life. And he wants to do something in you and through you because God so loves you. Lift up your hands before the Father. Lift them up before the Lord. I want to put a prayer upon you. I want you to yield that to the Lord. God does not want you to carry it. God does not want it to be weights on your shoulder because he wants you to cast off that spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. God wants you to become a praiser because when you start to become a praiser, then all of a sudden that heaviness on your shoulder, that heaviness upon your heart, it is cast off in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to give God that giant. I want you to surrender him to that giant, that that giant no longer has control over your heart, over your emotions, over your past, over your presence. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask your Holy Spirit would do a work right now as they yield it to you. God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, will you meet each single one, God, right now in the name of Jesus. God, bring victory, bring victory, God, because there's victory in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now, peace of mind and strength of spirit. I pray their mind will be in your word and your word will be in their hearts and your word would come out of their mouth. And Lord, as they feel the winds, they shall praise you. Father, as they feel the pressure, they will praise you. And Father, they will look unto the completion of what you're trying to do in them and through them. You did it for David. Father, you're going to do it for them. You did it for David. Father, do it for your people. And as you do, God, do a work, a mighty work in the name of Jesus Christ. We will give you all the praise and all all the glory in Jesus name amen amen give him some praise in the house of the Lord hallelujah 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 blessed be the name blessed be the name hallelujah Lord hallelujah Lord glory 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 the heaven may be fallen but it will prosper glory glory when the time is
blessing upon you. Go out and recognize God. God is a great God, and he's on your side. Father, may you bless your people. God, will you help them, Lord, in every aspect of life, and help them to know that you're with them, you're in them, you're for them, and you shall do great things in the name of Jesus. Father, as they leave this place, may your presence go with them to be your light and to be your salt wherever they go. Touch their families, God, in a very special way. And may every heart come ever so close to you, O oh God. Break down the strongholds. Break down those giants. And God, as you do so, we will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing it one more time. Hallelujah. Give him some praise. He is. He is. we thank you for joining us today let's continue to believe that god is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church despite our current circumstances if you would like to support the ministry of salem first assembly you can do so by mailing to 430 route 45 salem new jersey 08079 or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org 
please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.